Well, today I want to continue a, a series. Um, are there seatbelts? Did we install the seatbelts this week? Because you're going to need to put them on today. Amen. This is going to be good. Uh, it's a continuation of last week, still part of my invasion series. Um, I've got a couple of more sermons on that. But I want to give you a quick review. Uh, we're in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter 1 last week. We'll be moving into some in chapter 2. I encourage you to uh, uh, read Malachi chapter 1 and 2, and you'll get a better picture on at, at home um, of what's going on uh, in this uh, passage of Scripture. As you know, I have an hour, uh, roughly, to expand on what the Word of God says, and you have all week, so it's better for you if you go and read and take some of this and and uh, take it to heart. Amen? Amen. So <clears throat> we looked at Malachi chapter 1 last week on the invasion of the church. How did the enemy invade the church? How does the enemy invade our lives? We, we talked a few weeks ago how the enemy invaded with Eve, started with a little doubt, told a little bit of a mistruth. And, and so uh, the enemy does not, the devil, Satan, is, is, is one of your enemies, does not jump up and give you a full page of warning of what he's going to do in your life. If he did, we could recognize that and we'd run from that. We should run from that. Amen. If you know what, if you know the enemy is going to destroy you, uh, to kill you, destroy you, to steal from you, you 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 wouldn't allow that enemy around you, right? And so, what do we do? We have this um, information in front of us, right in the Bible. And so, I'm trying to expand on some of these things to let you know that the enemy is going to come in subtly. He's not going to show up with a pitchfork and and uh, be be uh, with a, with a forked tail and say I'm here and to destroy you. It's not going to happen that way. He's going to come in and you won't even notice he's there. For most part, you won't even notice that he's in your life, that he's messing with you, until it's too late. Amen. Malachi, we learned that there was in Malachi one that there were two types of prophecy in review real quick. One is predictive and it tells of future events. The second is didactic and it is a call for people to line up morally and to teach the truth. Didactic prophecy exposes sin and calls for repentance and obedience. You remember there was a little fellow by the name of Jonah went to a little place called Nineveh and he was Basically, given a didactic prophecy, said, Turn from your ways, or the Lord's going to destroy you. Amen. And Malachi is doing this same thing again right here. And he began to talk to the priest. And as we learned last week in Malachi 1, he had a problem. The prophet was speaking on the behalf of the Lord, and he had a problem. God had a problem because people quit honoring his name, they quit giving him reverence. And he even referred to this. He even said in Malachi 1, you can go back and read it this week, that you give more honor and more glory to a governor than you would me. And Malachi says, God has a problem with that. You know what? I want to hear, I'm here to tell you this today. God still has a problem with that. God still has a problem when anything, any person or anything gets more honor and more glory from you than you give to God. God still has a problem. God is a God that he should not change. God doesn't change on some things. He just doesn't change. And this is one of them. 
And when the church begins to stop honoring God, there's a problem. So we're going to continue on. I want to talk about, I'm going to just give you a, a quick, another little quick reference of, of, um, of last week. I said that the enemy invaded the church via the root of the home. The church is made up of people, and people make up uh, the home. This building is just a building. We can put whatever name we want to on the outside. It's just simply a building. But when the people get here, it becomes the church. And so the church people are people from home. The condition of the heart. Now listen to me when I tell you this. The condition of the heart at home will reflect your actions to the church. Because you are the church. The church will respond to the community, the church will respond to sin, the church will respond to things, uh, the secular things, based on what's going on at the home, because the church is made up of home people. So let me read the statement again. The condition of the heart at home, what you do when you're not at the church, what you do when you think no one's looking, what you do in the privacy of your home will ultimately be reflected in the actions of the church. Can I get an amen somewhere in the church house today? So how did this church get invaded according to Malachi chapter 1? Number one, it stopped honoring God. The church stopped honoring God. You say, well, that's not possible. It is very possible. There's churches all across America right now that do not honor God. They're born about making you happy. Not talking about your sin, uh, getting through and putting on a great performance or a great show, uh, and, and not honor. God's nowhere in the building. Oh, they'll mention his name a few times, but God's not even there. You just well to go to a, a secular concert somewhere. Oh, I'm just getting more. I'm going to preach it a minute. Come on now. And secondly, they brought lame sacrifices. These are the two things, two main things that you read in Malachi chapter 1 that says that how did the church get invaded? Because Malachi's talking to the priest in, the, in, in, in Malachi 1. And then how did, how did the church, that's what we are, how did we get invaded? We stopped honoring God and then we brought lame sacrifices. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? We don't sacrifice anymore. What are you bringing? Because remember the home reflects the actions of the church. So are you bringing a lame sacrifice? Well, what does that mean? Well, you just half, half at it. Are you just half doing, honoring God? Are you just halfway doing something? Don't you just love those people when you pay them to do something and they just halfway do it? No, you don't. I mean, just think about this. Just think of as hot as it's been uh, last a couple of weeks ago. And if you paid someone to come do your air conditioner and they just got halfway through the job and quit but charged you the full amount, expected you to pay the full amount but half the repairs. And you woke up in the middle of the night and it was 120 degrees in your home. And you're thinking, well, I paid them yesterday. They done half a job. I wonder what God thinks about when, when you say and you profess that you're a Christian, that I'm a Christian, that we love Jesus, and we just lamely bring our sacrifices of ourselves to the Lord. See, we've been preached this grace gospel so much that we think, well, he's okay with that. He is not okay with it. He is not okay with you just partially being his. He's either number one or he's not at all. 
God's either front and center or he's last place in your life. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. I think I'll be very clear. God must be number one in your life. He doesn't play second fiddle to anyone in your life or anything. He is God and he's God by himself. He has the power to raise up and tear down. And when we start bringing lame sacrifices, I believe that Malachi the prophet lets us look into the future. Also not just didactic prophecy, but something of the future. And we'll get into that in a minute in Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, number 1. In Malachi 2, 2, the Bible says this, and I'll, my, my heading is, of there's four things I want to talk about this morning in, in finishing this message. Number one, the church quit giving glory to God. Malachi 2, 2 chapter 2, verse 2 says, If you do not listen and take seriously the need to honor my name, says the Lord who rules over all, I will send judgment on you and turn your blessings into curses. Indeed, I have already done so because you are not taking it to heart. Now, this is not your pastor telling you this. This is what the Word of God saying. When you quit honoring God in the church, and again, let me refer to who's the church? Come on, some of you act like, take some ownership. If it was something good, you'd be a amen and in you and in Yahoo. And you'd be saying, oh, I want the blessing. If, it, if I was preaching on Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody would be standing up in the house, giving a clap and glory to God. Come on, this is yours too. This is mine. Own it. He says, when you, when you stop honoring me, you don't take it seriously. He says, I will send judgment on you. And turn your blessings into curses. I've seen it so many times where people just, oh, they're so enamored with God. And they just love God and the things of God. And they're just, oh, God's doing so much. And, and then all of a sudden, three months down the road, when they got their good job or when, they, when, they, when the blessings came, all of a sudden they turned from God. God's nowhere to be found. Then the moment God performs or does what he said he's going to do in his word and turns his blessings into curses, oh my goodness, they come running back to God and say, what, what happened? Why did God do this? God did exactly what he said he was going to do based on your performance. Ooh, I didn't think I had to perform for God. You don't, but you do have to do what his word says. Now, you can call that performance, lack of performance, no performance. doesn't matter. But there are certain things that you've got to do to be considered a Christian and stand God's blessings in order to receive those. There's things you've got to do. But we've been taught, I'm telling you, this gospel of grace and mercy. There's so much mercy. And there is. There is so much mercy. But I'm here to tell you. That mercy stops when you stop honoring God. When you stop doing opposite of what the Word of God says. His mercy, His blessings, in other words, will stop. If you're alive, His mercy hadn't stopped. You're still living. But His blessings. Not because He wanted to, because He said, if you don't honor me, I'm not obligated to honor you. Think about that. You think God's obligated to honor you in some way? Because you're somebody? God says, the word of God says that he's the Lord who rules over all. 
That includes you and me. I thought you'd like this message today. So what happens when we quit giving honor to God? Hang on. Verse 3, Malachi 2, 3 says, this is right after Malachi 2, 2. You want me to read 2, 2 again? Let's do it. It makes it so much better. If you do not listen and take seriously the need to honor my name, says the Lord who rules over all, I will send judgment on you and turn your blessings into curses. Indeed, I have already done so because you are not taking it to heart. Verse 3, I am about to discipline your children and will spread offal. You know what that word is? Human fecal matter. Oh, and y'all thought God was this proper God. He says, I will spread offal, human fecal matter, on your faces. And the very offal or fecal matter produced at your festivals and you will be carried away along with it. When I was growing up, I had horses. I loved horses. My dad bought me a horse. And it was a colt. And it needed to be trained. And so I, I loved being around my horses. And I turned out to be a decent horse trainer later on. But you know one of the first things my dad taught me to do? We had this big barn. And my dad allowed me to have a, about a 10 by 15 spot in this barn that I could have as a, as a stable for this horse because it was a young colt, wanted to get used to me. But one of the things I had to do was clean the poop out of the stall in order for my dad to allow me to keep the horse there. Sound like a pretty good trade. Matter of fact, I was up for it. I think, man, you're going to buy me a horse and I get to clean his poop? That's no problem. Do you know how much horse poops? <laughs> a lot. The more you feed it, the more. So just whatever the poundage you put in, it comes out the other end, okay? It's just that much. So just it's the way it works, okay? But I had to take that out and clean that out. But I enjoyed that because I was, knew that I had some reward in the end. I was going to have a horse that I could ride and all that stuff. I say that to say this. There was no good whatsoever in the horse stuff. It was work to me. I didn't think of it as anything but other than work. And the Bible says here that if we don't honor God, he's going to start doing some things in our lives. And we see it in America today. We've been so blinded and saying, well, it's our government doing this. No, it is the church that has been lack on the promises and on honoring God and reverence to God. It is the church house that has brought this down because God says that I'm going to start doing this to your children. You know, amens today. But now if I was preaching on the blessings to your children and your children's children and your children's children, oh, man, we all up shouting, glory to God, yes, send it, Lord. But when we got to take responsibility for not honoring God, all of a sudden, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Wasn't me. That wasn't me. What do you mean? They didn't want to come. It's their fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my, it's my wife's fault. It's, it's somebody else's fault. It's not mine. No, it's your fault. If you got a lazy husband don't want to come to church, you get your kids up and bring them on to church. If you got a lazy wife that don't want to come to church, tell her to stay in bed and you get up and come on to church. But it's your fault. You're the parent. And God's looking to you. And he'll start spreading this stuff, your fecal matter, 
That's what he's going to start putting in your life. Smear it on your face. And he says, guess what? All that fun you thought you was having doing all this stuff. He said, it'll be carried away with you with your fecal matter. That's what I think of it. This is a tough message today. But we need it. We need this message. Number two. First was the church quit giving glory to God. Number two. <clears throat> how the church invaded, or the enemy invaded the church. He caused people to stumble by breaking the covenant of Levi. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. You, however, have turned, to, turned from the way. You have caused many to violate the law. You have corrupted the covenant with Levi, says the Lord who rules over all. So, well, that's great. What was the covenant of Levi? I'm glad you asked. If you read, if you go home and read it, you, you can read it for yourself. But we're going to find that in Malachi chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Then it says this. Then you will know that I sent this commandment to you so that, uh, so that they make so that my covenant may continue to be with Levi. So it tells us there's this covenant he's been telling us about. Says the Lord who rules over all. Have you, have you heard how many times he uses the phrase, the Lord who rules over all? It's throughout this, this, this book. He's the Lord who rules. He don't want you to forget, he's the Lord who rules over all. You think because you got a fat checking account, you got a good job, you got good insurance, you got this, and, and, and maybe you're the boss, that you, you, you're in charge. You're not in charge. There's somebody over you. The Lord rules over all. He can set up kings and take them down. He'll set up kingdoms and take down the kings. He can set you up and take you down just as easy. You say, but we're under grace and not, not all that other stuff. Well, just hang tight. Hang tight. Keep doing what you're doing. I've often said it. I've said it in this series of meetings. The problem is with sin, why people don't come to church, why they don't love God, is because there's no instant penalty for sin and there's no instant gratification for doing good. Ain't nothing going to happen to me. I've been doing this for years. Ain't nothing happening. I've been, I've been living an adulterous lifestyle all my life. Ain't nothing happening to me. Look at me. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Keep doing it, sir. Keep doing it, ma'am. It's coming. Keep lying. Keep cheating. It's coming. Just because you hadn't, you hadn't got caught yet don't mean that God doesn't see. It's coming. Thus says the Lord, it's coming. Verse 5, here's the covenant. My covenant with him was designed to bring life and peace. This was the covenant that God had with, with, with Levi, that it would bring uh, life and peace. I gave it statutes to him to fill him uh, with awe. Boy, we've lost the awe of God. Come on, somebody. He said, I made a covenant with, to bring him life and peace. And right now, there's, there's more people that lack peace in their lives than ever before in human history. There's more drugs to help you out of depression. There's more drugs to help you sleep. There's more drugs to help you have a good attitude. And we're shoving them down our kids' throat like, they're, like that's God's plan. And God's plan says that if you start on me, you get right with God, I can take care of a lot of these things because I have a covenant of life and peace. 
not preaching against your medicine. I'm just preaching against your medicine if you're doing it because you don't want to get right with God. This would be one of them days if my wife's in there, I'd tell her we're cranking the truck because we may not have a job after today. My covenant was designed to bring life and peace, and I gave it statutes to him to fill him with awe. You don't know what awe is? It's just said, man, saying, that is so beautiful. That is so awesome. That just, there's just really no words to describe. Last November, we went to the Grand Canyon. I'd been there before as a young person, but I went back as an adult this time, and I thought, wow. Just to look at the majestic beauty of the Grand Canyon was, wow, it was amazing. How could this be? I mean, you're driving along, and it's just Desert, ugly, dirty, just, yeah. and all of a sudden you, whoo, right out in the middle of the high desert. <gasps> Hadn't seen water for miles, and there's a big river in the bottom of it. That's all. And yet we somehow think God ought to be in awe of us when we show up to church. That God ought to be in awe of us if we read our Bible three times in a week. God should be in awe of us if we raise our hands because we're per our personalities just don't allow us to do that. Well then, sir, ma'am, you may not be in awe of God. If you can jump and shout in front of 70,000 people that you don't know at a stadium... And you come in here to people you do know, to a God who saved you, and you say, my personality doesn't allow me to raise my hands. You, sir, ma'am, are fooled. You're absolutely fooled by the enemy. He has already invaded your mind. I'm not telling you, you got you to raise your hands and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you there ought to be an awe. My dad will raise his hands. He's 76. He'll raise his hands some. But for the longest I was growing up, I never saw him raise his hand. But I did see this. When the Spirit of the Lord would move upon him, you could look at him and tears would begin to run down his face. You know why? Because he knew where he'd come from. He knew he was the heathen on the way to hell. And he knew that God saved him. And somewhere in here, there was an awe that would rise up and begin to tickle the back of his eyes. And tears would begin to flow because he understood that there's an awesome God. And I should stand in awe of this majestic God. And we have lost that in the church. Because after all, we're the thing. He's not. It's all about us. When I come to church, it's all about me. It's all about what do you have for me? How comfortable can I get? Why do we not have padded pews? Is the air conditioner set right? Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Oh, I don't like the carpet. Let's change this. What do you have for my kids? Do you have the right programs? Because if you don't have the right program, well, then I'm leaving. Well, you know what that says? It's all about you. There was a story I heard once. There was this man that moved into a community and his family. And he called up the local church. And he got the secretary on the phone and said, I'd like to speak to the pastor. I'm new in the community. I'd like to speak to him. She said, well, hang on just a minute. After a few moments, the pastor came on the telephone and said, hello. And he said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm new in the community, and I just want to know what you have for me and my family at your church. And he heard, click, 
he calls back to the secretary and says, look, I, I was the guy that just uh, was talking to the pastor. We got cut off somehow. Could I speak to the pastor again? He said, well, sure. Puts him back there and said, hey, I think we got cut off. He said, no, no, we didn't get cut off. I hung up on you. He said, why'd you do that? He said, because the first thing out of your mouth is what can the church do for you? What we want to know is what can you do for the church? See, it's not about what you can do for this building or the people. It's about what can you do for the church so we can build the kingdom, so we can win souls, so we can serve people, so we can be an impact to the community. That's what it's about. Because, see, when we reverse the all, what can I do for God? The all changes positions. Now the spotlight is no longer on you. It's on him. See, as long as the spotlight's on us, it's all about us. I like Facebook. But it is from hell for most people. Because all we want to do is get on Facebook and see how many people like what we do, what we say. And it sends you, most people, into great depression when they don't have a, attain a certain amount of likes. Crazy, ain't it? People thrive on it. You know that they're, that they're diagnosing kids now? With diseases because they didn't get these are crazy diseases because they didn't get social media approval so we're going to put you on a medication now so you'll feel good about you anybody heard the term cyber bullying anybody come on it's, it's okay you can if you've been a cyber bully shame on you but no I'm sorry Cyberbullying? What do you think that is? Bullying people on it? Keyboard warriors, I call them. You know why they do it on Facebook? Because they're not man or woman enough to stand in your face and tell you. Come on now. Now I'm going to start meddling. Get off into something y'all like. Let me move on. I'm going to read part of verse 5 again. My covenant with, with him was designed to bring life and peace. I gave it statutes to him to fill him with all. And he indeed reverend me and stood in awe before me. That's what he's saying. This is, what, this is my covenant. He was supposed to and he did. He was supposed to stand in awe. He was supposed to honor me. I was going to give him life and peace. What? When he stood in awe of me and he reverend me. And he says he did. Let's go on. Verse 6. He taught what was true. Sinful words were not found on his lips. He walked with me in the peace and integrity. And he turned many people away from sin. Whoo! For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge of sacred things. And people should seek instruction from him because he is the messenger of the Lord who rules over all. This was a covenant that God Almighty, the, the God who, the Lord who rules over all, made a covenant. It said if you'll, if you'll stand in awe of me, if you'll honor me, and you'll be reverent to me, I'll give you a life of peace. Prosper you. And we spit in the face of God every day. Listen to me, and I don't preach on tithes, I'm not today, but we spit in the face of God every day when you receive a check and you refuse to pay tithe on a blessing that came from God. It's a spit, it's a slap in His face. You are not honoring God. 
If you're sitting around trying to figure out how to not honor God with your monies, you're in trouble. You're on a slippery slope. You're in trouble. How can I, how can I honor God? How can I bless the kingdom? How can I help the kingdom of God expand? How can I grow the kingdom of God with what little I have? Come on now. So number one, the church quit giving glory to God. Number two, it caused people to stumble by breaking the covenant of Levi. Man, I could go so, I could preach three messages on that statement alone. Help me, Holy Spirit. I want to say this about this. When we cause people to stumble by breaking the covenant of Levi, do you understand as a parent and as a grandparent that if you do not, I don't know how to say this other than just let it come out. If you do not bring your children to church, teach them the principles of God at home. Don't rely on our classes. Teach them the principles of God at home. Do you understand that you are a stumbling block to your children? Do you understand that if you don't take a stand and stand firm with your spouse and say, I'm going to go to church regardless of what you do. Even though you may want them to, but if, 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 if they influence you or you influence them not to go to church, not to participate in church, do you understand you're a stumbling block? He said, Pastor, you're all about the church. Yes, I'm all about the church because this is the only place most of you get God. This is the only time you encounter an awesome God. This is the only time you think about God all week is right here. And you, sir, ma'am, are the church. It's not the pastor. I'm just part of the body. But you, we are the church. How is this church? Are we a stumbling block to this community? It's all reflective of what you do at home. Reflects how the church acts. So how are we received individually in the community? Because how you're received individually in the community will reflect what they think about this church. So if they say you're one way here and one way out there, you know what they think about the church? They're just wishy-washy church. Come on. Because you're the only representative that may know they may have never come to this church. They may have never seen the fine people here that try to live right, do right, and be right. Come on now. We bring our kids to church. We stick an electronic device into their hands and say, be quiet. And then wonder why they don't want to worship. Wonder why they, they don't want to sit back and play games and different things like that. When worship is going on and we're standing in a presence of, of an awesome God. And we say, well, our kids, I just don't know what's wrong with them. They'd rather watch Peppa Pig than worship God. Well, you know Why? When you stuck that electronic device in front of them, you said God's not important. Watch Peppa Pig while the adults get our worship on. God says, you're talking again. Shut up. 
you're wearying me with your words that are just going over and over and you're making no sense. It's stupidity to what we think God believes about us. Quit playing with God. I'm reminded of last night. I was trying to teach Lexi how to do patty cake. Simple, right? Problem is, when I would do this, she'd want to do this. When I want to do this, she want to do this. It took us a few minutes to get on the same cycle. After a few minutes, I'm not that coordinated, but we'd go faster and I'd get all mixed up. You did it wrong, Papa. Who are you? I taught you. My point here is this. You need to quit playing patty cake with the one who taught you because he knows how to do it. You hear me? He knows what's going on in your life. You're not going to confuse him by trying to clap him when you ought to be hand slap clapping him. But we try to do that in our lives and justify. We try to justify things that are going on in our lives. You can get converted by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you have to decide in your mind that you're going to submit everything to Him. And that's the key. It's not a walk down here to get you a little fire insurance card and say, Well, I, don't, I ain't going to hell. Well, I'm going to question that. If that's the only reason you came, you're probably going to go. You hear me? I'm serious. If that's your reasoning, that's not a true relationship. That's playing. That's playing patty cake with a, with a God that knows how to do it. I'm going to close right now. Here's the deal. I know people listening on, on video and listening uh, in this room and, and, and audio later on. They're going to say, but what about this grace grace and merciful God and you know we're under that now if God would allow his son to be crucified for your sins and spare nothing he's not going to wink at your stuff at your sin did you hear what I said he's not winking at you it's going to be all right. I see what you do on Saturday night. I see, I see what you're doing. I see that you lied to your, to your spouse when you're supposed to be somewhere and you're somewhere. I saw that. No, that may be what you think should go on. But he said, I'm about to. I'm about to unleash my fury. I'm about to unleash. I'm fit to pull all the blessings from your life and curses fixing to come. I'm fixing to do it. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Church, we're in a mess. Not in the community, not in the secular world. We're a mess in the church. 
when we beg people to work for the kingdom of God, we're in a mess. Now, preacher, you didn't even have to say that. I, I didn't. That, that's right, I didn't have to. But it's part of the message. When you got to beg people to serve the Lord in capacities that they have talents and abilities, there's something wrong at your house. There's something wrong at your home. There's something wrong with your relationship. Quit playing patty cake with a God who knows what's going on. Quit playing this game. God says, I'm ready to unleash my fury and my wrath if you don't get right. Time is wasting. There's people that need Jesus, and you're worried about, well, I don't like what the preacher said. I don't like how we do this. Who cares what we like? I don't like some things. It doesn't matter. If it's not eternal, who cares? We got to get right with God. Quit playing around. Quit lead, being led by our spouses that think they know God and they don't know God, and they lead you astray from doing stuff. Quit all that foolishness. It's time that the church house says, I'm going to stand in awe of an awesome God that saved me, that cleaned me, that forgave me, that convicts me of my sins, and I'll be obedient to what He wants to do in my life. It's time we do that, church. Quit playing all this other stuff. Stand with me across the room.